Welcome to B2B Sales Trends, the podcast dedicated to sales leaders in the B2B space, where we share conversations about innovative and successful sales transformations to keep you up to date on the latest trends. This podcast is brought to you by Global Performance Group. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of the B2B Sales Trends podcast. My name is William Reddick. I am the VP of Marketing for Global Performance Group. In this next episode, GPG CEO Harry Kendallbacher interviews Tom Edmonds, the Autodesk Senior Sales Director, about his team's strategy for onboarding new sales hires and how his team is successfully accelerating the development of top sales talent through a unique approach. Check it out. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with uh, Tom Edmonds. He is the sa- uh, Senior Sales Director of Inside Sales for Autodesk EMEA. So thank you for being our guest today, Tom. My pleasure, Harry. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Uh, we've chatted a little bit beforehand, and the topic really is onboarding new sales hires, which is a critical uh, topic on everybody's uh, mind uh, today, and how we can accelerate the development of top sales talent. As a way to start this interview off, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why this topic is important to you. It's primarily for my current role. I look after inside sales here in sunny Barcelona. I think you can tell that from my background. Lovely um, background. I love it. I've worked for Autodesk for 10 years, and I've done a broad range of roles within Autodesk. I've worked in mid-markets. I've worked in uh, territory sales, and I've, I've been running the hub here in Barcelona for three years. And, you know, as with any inside sales environment, there's often you know, new starters joining, and it's critical to get them up to productivity so that their confidence grows. And quite a few of our new recruits are early career salespeople. And that's a really critical time for them. It's a make or break time for them to see, do they actually enjoy the challenge of sales? And if so, how can they get better at it? And so what we've tried to do here is create a center of excellence for early onboarding salespeople coming in I mean, we're not an easy company to join in as much as, you know, we've got a very broad product portfolio. You're not selling one thing or a couple of things. I mean, when I started in sales, I was selling fax machines. That was pretty easy. That was (laughs) the future benefit. Those days are gone. You know, so we're now in an environment where we've got to encourage people to have a broader customer-focused conversation. That's interesting. When you say you you, you hire these uh, uh, new people, and it sounds like you have a lot of experience with it, and to really help them to onboard what, you know, in terms of uh, them having the skills, them having the mindset to do the job well, what in your experience are the sort of attributes that somebody needs to be really good at that? I mean, the critical thing is in the hiring process. You're looking mm. for coachability and attitude. Right. Because mm. the thing is, I'm, I, don't, I don't have the luxury of being able to have a broad talent pool of experienced people coming from the industry. So I have to look at people that have the raw materials to actually join a company and the, the aptitude to learn 
and learn from managers. And, and so that's the critical thing for me is actually making sure that we're hiring people with the right attitude and the right will, if you like, and then we teach them the skills as they join. Interesting. I read uh, something recently, and forgive me if I don't know the source, I think it was a Gardner research or something, something uh, credible where it says, and I have to read this off so I, I get this right, uh, the gap in quota achievement between a novice and an expert is 74%. Does that resonate with your experience? We obviously under-target our new people then because um, <laughs> our guys hit their quota quite quickly. Um, right. I, I, think, I think it's very difficult to, especially in inside sales, the difference between a novice and an experienced person is quite significant. And the learning curve when people first come into sales is very, very quick. So um, I, I think people can be successful, but the, the joy of it for me is when I started in sales, it was pretty much sink or swim. It was a case of, okay, you've got the job, here's the yellow pages, and prove to me that you can be a success. And you know, I'm sure that worked in some instances, and if you enjoyed the challenge, that's great. But I think it actually meant we lost a lot of talent because they weren't getting the guidance that they needed. And if I think about my first five years as a field salesperson, I made so many mistakes that could have been avoided if I'd been given more coaching up front. And so I think what we're trying to do is ramp up productivity by giving people a framework for success in understanding why our customers buy our products, but most importantly, what's the business benefit to the customer and what problem does it solve? Because you know, when you look at the buying cycle of a customer, it all starts with them identifying a problem that they want to do something about, something that's stopping them from achieving their business objectives. So if we can identify that, and you know, at Autodesk we have a broad you know, a library of examples where we're doing this for customers on a daily basis. We just mm -hmm. need to teach them those and then they can help their customers far more effectively and quickly because it would take far mm -hmm. too long to try and make them product, product experts with the number of uh, products we have in our portfolio. It's far better to actually teach them what's important to our customers. Right. right. That's a very good approach. It's the idea of really let's focus on what's the outcome we can create for them versus uh, push a product and here are the features and benefits of it. Exactly right. Exactly right. Right. Uh, you, you've mentioned the uh, ramp up and, you know, obviously we've all gone through uh, COVID in the last couple of years. Um, have you found that ramp time and uh, scaling time have been impacted since COVID has started for you? Inevitably it has, you know, mm -hmm. I think, you know, our sales enablement teams have done a really good job of pivoting very, very quickly mm -hmm. to having people based in the office and having a, you know, intense in-person onboarding session to doing it remotely. But the truth of the matter is, I still think you lose some of the cohort mentality, some of the mm -hmm. shared learning from having discussions, you know, at lunch when you were in a coffee break. Mm -hmm. How did you do this? How did you do that? Where did you find this? Who did you go for that? And those are the sort of things that you miss out when you're doing it remotely. Um, mm. And 
just simply not having managers and new starters directly together, you know, impacts their learning. So it's really critical to give them a really clear pathway, um, probably more intentional than before to actually help them be successful. So that if they're not in a room together or not, they're not working together side by side, they know what good looks like. Uh, it's very interesting that you share that uh, we ourselves, we, 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 we're hiring uh, now more and more people in, also in the sales space. And, and recently, uh, candidates have asked me to say, hey, you know, can you share with us uh, your onboarding process? What are you going to do to make me successful? Yeah. Uh, and I think to having that clear process, to having, as you referring to, uh, as a framework for success, I think it's a real important uh, added benefit to the hiring process, don't you think? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I love it when a, a candidate asks that question. That's mm. a cracking question for an interview because that suggests that they're ready to learn. They're looking to develop their right. skills. So, right. you know, for me, that's a really positive um, interview experience. Um, but it's as with... You know, if you think of a good football team or a good rugby team, mm. they have a playbook that enables people right. that have the talent and other skills to fit into the formula that they work towards. And why should sales be any different? We're in a situation where the best way to help people is to give them clear guidelines on what good looks like and how they can achieve success as quickly as possible. Because anyone who's joining a sales company is not joining for an easy time. They're joining because they want to be successful. Right, right, right. And how do we enable them to do that? Well, exactly. Yeah. Uh, before before we uh, before this interview, we chatted a little bit um, about uh, you know getting salespeople with little experience to learn, uh, you know, in their first year what they they could otherwise learn in 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 their first five years in the field. What's been your process for accomplishing that, to ramp them up quickly? Well, we have a, a fun framework called sales fitness. And basically, it's broken down into three parts. And it really was designed because the best salespeople I've ever worked with answer three questions really, really well. What's the problem that the customer has? How big is the problem? And how can we help? And importantly, in that order. So what we've done is we've invested a heck of a lot of energy and time on the first part of that, teaching them the typical problems and the typical issues that our customers have, which actually then adds real value to the conversations that they have with customers and can elevate the conversations as well so that they're not just talking to product users, they're talking to, you know, up to the C-suite which for a new starter can be quite daunting. Mm. But if they know the industry trends, if they have insights and evidence to associate with those problems where we've helped other customers, we've got such a good story to tell that it's actually teaching them the art of storytelling. And you then get the customers to prioritize what the issues are that they have, either from the ones that we've highlighted or ones that they've identified themselves, and then you go into the quantification process. So it's worked really nicely and we're now having people genuinely having discovery sessions with customers where they're able to 
talk credibly after three to four months about industry issues that we're seeing. Because whilst every customer is unique, a lot of the problems are similar. And so by identifying you know, what the customer's priorities are, that, that enables them to further the conversations. And right. we only talk about products later on. Once you've right. identified the outcomes the customer's trying to achieve, only then do you get to the solution discussion. And that enables us to bring in the technical specialists and our channel partners who are much better at product demonstrations of a new product right. than a new sales guy. Mm. I love what you've just shared because, um, you know, obviously being in that industry, there, there are so many people trying to overcomplicate things. And I think you boiled it really nicely down to these three questions. You know, what is the problem? How big is it for you? What's your pain point? And, you know, what is going to cost you if you don't do that? And uh, how can we help you to eliminate that problem? Yeah. It's as simple as that. Often. And once you get the mindset of it being so simple, it takes it away from being this rucksack that you carry or this daunting task a lot of the time for especially junior Uh, uh, sales individuals who don't have any experience with that. Just keep it as simple as possible. I, I love that. Absolutely. I mean, the thing that's beautiful is they learn from each conversation they have with the customer. Because as soon as one of the problems resonates with the customer, it boosts their confidence because they're then able to use it in the next conversation. So you get a virtuous spiral. Mm. You know, so that, and then, then what they do is they're using it in their prospecting. And their prospecting rates go up mm. and their hit rates go up and their meeting numbers mm. go up. So rather than just whacking them with KPIs and not helping them understand how to achieve it, you actually show to them that over a period of time by doing consistently the right things and turning the skills into habits, then, then they're really flying. Do you, as your process, do you get them to review these calls, review what was good, what was not good, what you can improve? Is there a set process? Is that responsibility pushed to some of your managers? How, how, how does that work with your teams? Yeah, I, that's a very good question, Harry. So what we've done is we've made a conscious decision to reduce the ratio of individual contributors to managers so that they can coach effectively. Hmm. Because in some instances, inside sales teams, you'll have sort of 12 people reporting into a manager, which makes it very, very difficult. We've actually half that. On average, we're about six individual contributors to a manager. Wow. And I prefer to refer to my managers as coaches because that hmm. is their sole purpose in life. It's not about measuring activity yeah. levels. It's about taking those activity levels and making them more productive. And so... We're, we're investigating some technology to evaluate. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention it here because it's too early in the process. But right. you know, we're looking. I mean, the other beautiful thing is the technology to support inside sales is coming on right. leaps and bounds. So, right. you know, there's lots of different ways that you can record and measure and see the impact of the conversations that customers are having. There's lots of ways of measuring the impact and the productivity of outbound you know, contact, so multi-channel contact, so email, video, and voice conversation. So we're trying to leverage the best of that, but good technology with a bad 
methodology doesn't actually work. Right. Yeah, right. You've got to make sure that when you actually get real-time conversation with the customer, that right. you can add value for them. And that's, right. that's the critical thing for success for us. You mentioned the managers, or you prefer to call them coaches. Um, uh, out of interest, do you hire them usually within or outside from the company? Because one of the challenges that we face a lot of the times, uh, and our customers are telling us, is that you know managers get to, or coaches get to the manager position because they were excellent salespeople. But that's a very different behavior than being an excellent coach or manager to being an excellent salesperson. How do, how, how do you handle it? What's, what's your take on that? So it's a blend of both. And I'm, I'm sitting on the fence. But what I would say and what I'm particularly proud of is mm -hmm. in the tenure that I've had in Barcelona, we're now hiring more internal managers mm. than external managers. Whereas when I first joined, there wasn't the talent pool here to be able to get people to coach. So, you know, now that we've got a framework, people that are successful know why they're successful. They know how the framework works. And so they can then coach to it. So we're building a talent pool that should people choose to go into management, that's great. And so we're hiring more internal managers than we ever have before. That's not to say we don't look outside for external talent, mm. but you know, when you've got someone that's mastered the art of what we're trying to achieve as a company, they can then coach new starters in the same methodology and it, it helps them ramp up as well. Fabulous, fabulous. Let's get back to the new hires, if we could, for a second. Um, how much should... Um, should you empower your new hires, your salespeople, to take responsibility for their own learning uh, versus what happens a lot of the time, being prescriptive about, for example, what kind of content, cadence, etc., they should be using? So, yeah, you're right. It's a balancing act. But right. one, of the, one of the things that has been a positive side effect of sales fitness is you've got a natural curriculum mm. that you can move through at your own pace. Now, your, ma your manager and your coach is there to support you, and so there's a minimum level that we'd expect, but we're also showing you what you don't know, and so the people that want to learn faster than that and are real go-getters, they've got access to all that information there as well. And the good thing is the coach can adapt to the speed of learning of the individual because I don't believe one size fits all um, and especially when you're talking about multiple languages we, we cover 26 languages here so quite often you'll have a manager and a, a direct report that don't have the same native language so having a framework and a guideline and a curriculum that people can work to they can work through it at their own pace and there's people within their team that know if there's a particular skill that they're working on, for example, in the, you know, how big is the problem element of the uh, program, there's people that can coach them on that. And so, you know, it, it makes it, people can accelerate as fast as they're capable of going. The other flip side of this is, the good thing about this is, it's not about tenure. Because a lot of inside sales, people think I've been here two years, I should be a manager now. And that's right if you've mastered the art of what you're trying to do and you're ready to coach. 
Mm. But if you've got a curriculum that explains this is what you need as a sales professional, and these are the levels I expect you to attain, they recognize that they're probably not ready yet. And so when you're building development plans, which I personally think are separate to career plans, it makes mm -hmm. it very, very clear for them to understand how they go through the levels. You know, and, you know, I wear a broader hat from Autodesk perspective. And so I'm building sales talent here in Barcelona and Dublin and Jordan that can then be field sales people in the future because they've got the same industry knowledge, they've got the same skill sets as field-based salespeople. So some of those guys now from Barcelona are actually moving into field sales roles as opposed to going into management because we've closed the gap between inside sales and field sales to such an extent that there's a career path into field sales should someone choose to you know, move back to their home country for family reasons and that sort of thing. Uh, that's fabulous. And uh, what a career path for somebody uh, uh, starting out uh, with, uh, with uh, your teams and, uh, and uh, they have really have a prospect of, of progressing uh, through the different roles. Fabulous job. How do you measure the success of that, of, of enablement and enable, enabling, shall I say, these, these teams uh, in terms of onboarding, ramp time, do you have clear KPIs? What if somebody's lagging behind? What do you do then? Share with uh, your thoughts on that. Yeah, we do have clear KPIs. Um, and it's KPIs that give people guidance because mm. if you're hiring people and you're teaching them the skills, then mm. achieving a KPI is dependent on their effort level. So if their effort level is there, then we'll do it. If, if we notice that there's a particular area that they're not skilled on, we can work on it with them. But we you know at each stage of the sales fitness, you get certified to say you've achieved your skill sets for that level. Mm. And so then it becomes a bit more of a numbers game. Um, but we, we know what good looks like for each of the individual habits and therefore we can give them clear guidance. And it's then down to them to make sure they put the effort in to achieve that which in a hybrid environment is even more important. Right. You know, if you're not right. sat in an office, but you're working from home, you still need to know what do I need to do to achieve my numbers at the end of the day. Right. I love the idea of uh, hopping from certification to certification on a particular skill, on a task, on a, on a measurement, and then sort of breaking it down in that development. That's, that's a very smart way of doing it. Very cool. Very cool. Um, What's the most daunting task for your people going through the onboarding? You mentioned uh, things like uh, C-suite engagement is tough for them. Uh, put yourself in the shoes of one of your, your new hires. What, what do you think the most daunting uh, task is for them? It's the scale of Autodesk mm. is the honest answer. It's, 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 you've got so many options and so many different ways that you can help our customer is actually quite daunting. Also, quite often the people that they're talking to are very technical. Mm. And so if you're coming from outside of the industry and you don't have the technical knowledge, again, they're talking a slightly different language than the one you're used to. And so I think that's the thing that's most daunting, which is why 
by helping them understand the typical problems and the languages of the industries that they're moving into, it arms them with, you know, I'm not going to say they're confident from day one, but they've got a fighting chance and they develop that confidence by having more and more conversations. Right, right. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I'm going to ask you a last question here, uh, if I may. Um, If you think about the top three things that you would recommend to any listeners, any anybody here on on uh, Global RefOps, um, what are the top three things that you would recommend to a company to do to successfully onboard? And rank those for me, the top uh, point, the second point, and the third most important point in onboarding. Onboarding, okay. Uh, so the first one would definitely be Give on people joining the company a clear idea of why your customers buy from us. So help them understand the reason that we're successful with the products that they have. Because if they have that and they have an understanding of some examples and some industry insights, that's the key to them actually having meaningful conversations. The second one is making sure that your managers understand the framework. You know, because one of the mistakes I made when I first rolled out sales fitness was I assumed that the managers understood it perfectly. And whilst they had a good understanding of the theory, what I had to do was actually get them to teach me as though I was a new starter to understand their level of competence on coaching. And so that was the second thing is, you know, you can't be successful on your own. You've got to have first-line managers that are really comfortable right. with the style of play, the methodology, or whatever that, you know, your framework for success looks like. And the third one is, you know, encouraging talent and, you know, rewarding, recognizing people that are doing the right things. You know, one of the, it's, there's nothing more satisfying than having a salesperson talking to his colleagues around a deal that he prospected, you know, qualified and closed, and can clearly articulate why the customer bought. Because, you know, when I first started, often people would say, oh, I did a deal of this value, and this was the product they bought. But when you scratch the surface and said, why did they buy? Then, then the story gets a bit thin. Hmm. And, you know, having people understand why the customers are buying um, closer to it quite, quite well. I love that. It sort of it links into your three, uh, three steps of the sales question. So first of all, uh, make sure they understand they help somebody solve a problem. Then the second piece was uh, make sure they feel supported and Uh, through the managers and provide the managers the tools that they need to support the people and then encourage them along, all, all, all along the way. I think that's, that's, that's a fabulous uh, uh, process. I love it. Great. Well, I've learned a lot. If I would be looking for an inside sales <laughs> job, I would give you a call. I love the process. I think you've done a fabulous job uh, uh, implementing it. And uh, thank you for sharing all these wonderful insights with the audience. We really appreciate your time, Tom. Thank you. No problem, Aaron. And I don't think I could afford to hire you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> Thanks for the learning, Tom.
Enjoy the event. Bye-bye. Bye.